Homestyle Green, episode 114. This week I'm talking with architect Peter O'Lorenshaw from Nelson, all about sustainable architecture. G'day and welcome back to another episode of Homestyle Green. I am the host of the show, Matthew Cutler-Welsh, and it's a pleasure to have your company. Thank you very much for tuning in. And I apologize for... Um, this episode being slightly delayed, I've been in training for another marathon, which has meant that my early mornings have been taken up by long runs along the beach. Sounds kind of nice when I say it like that, but uh, when it's dark and raining, not so much. Anyway, um, that will be all coming to a climax in about two weeks' time. So um, sneaking this one out now, I've got some great interviews lined up. Before we get into this week's episode, I just want to do a quick shout out to the wonderful team at ProClimber. And I've mentioned them before, they're great supporters of this show and they're supporters of sustainable building and just building performance in general. If you are looking at building a new house or extending an old one or even doing a, a big renovation where you're getting stuck into the walls, then you definitely want to check out ProClimber.com. That's P-R-O-C-L-I-M-A. Uh, .com or you can .co.nz if you're in New Zealand or .com.au if you're in Australia. They help you with air tightness, uh, not just for the sake of air tightness. They help you with air tightness for energy efficiency, creating a healthy environment, and just creating a better performing home. They've got wraps, tapes, seals, and more importantly, a lot of know-how, and they can help you with advice and also supporting information. Got some great uh, interviews coming up. Uh, I'm going to get Thomas Van Ramsonk back on the show from Plow Climber. We're going to talk about, um, I think we're going to talk about blower doors. No, we talked about blower doors. We're going to talk about woofy, and we're going to talk about air tightness a bit more. Um, and I've also got an interview coming up with someone about ventilation systems uh, from Fantech as well. And that's something that goes hand in hand with, um, air tightness really because the more airtight you have your building the more you the more important ventilation and controlled ventilation becomes that's all coming up in future episodes this week i'm speaking with peter uh lauren Shaw, who has been working as an architect in beautiful nelson and top of the south island here in new zealand for just over 21 years and he over that time has done some amazing work and Developed quite a lot of um, his skills and passion for passive solar design and kind of sustainable home design in general. So I started out by asking Peter why he does what he does. Um, it's, It's a passion that started off in the architecture school with just passive solar heating. Um, and that really switched the light on for me that how you could actually heat and cool a house um, with no outside energy or minimal outside energy um, just with using, designing the house better really, um, using the fabric of the house um, and the natural um, energies that are are there. Mm -hmm. Um, That's, yeah, that's where it started from. Um, since then it, it's broadened into the wider um, eco housing thing with non-toxic materials and um, 
know, dry water systems and composting toilets and independent power systems and yeah. Nice. Those things. Yeah. Was there a particular person or an incident that you remember that turned that light on for you? Yeah. Um, well, a couple of things. Um, there was a there was a, a lecturer in the architecture school who taught um, this. Um, I'm sure, what it was called, but it was um, passive solar design. Um, forgotten his name now. Um, he's long dead, um, but. He was he was great, but practically what um, really did it for me is that I was working on a farm in Western Australia um, during a university holiday, and the farm had a um, relatively new house um, for the homestead that was a typical Australian brick and tile house that was um, very poorly designed for the sun with um, the kitchen facing west and all sorts of disasters. And, you know, it wasn't very comfortable to be in, but, you know, it was a house. Um, but also on the property they had an old um, house that they'd abandoned, the original house. Um, and one time I was over that way with the ute going around the sheep and I popped in to have a look at this old um, adobe house it was and it had a um, corrugated iron extension um, on one end and the air temperature outside must have been approaching 40 degrees. Yeah. And under the corrugated iron extension, it was even hotter. Yeah. But then I walked into the adobe part of the old house and it was like walking into an air-conditioned space. Yeah. And that was just, just blew me away, you know. Here was this house that abandoned, but thermally was infinitely better than what they were um, – living in now yeah wow yeah so um that was um hot to cold and it was it was doing what earth houses do well and that's um smooth out temperature fluctuations so that in this case it was storing the cool from the night um to cool down the air inside during the day and um instead of like in the brick and tile house um the new house actually getting hotter inside than outside um, in in the day and then cooling down below outside at night probably. Um, This this adobe place just stuck between those extremes and, yeah, it was was just really comfortable. You used a term there, cool, so that's the opposite of warmth? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's debatable whether you should use that, isn't it? But um, (laughs) it's what it's doing. It's sucking heat out of you. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's a good term. It's a good way of thinking about it. Cool. Yeah, yeah, because it, it's it's kind of like a, the opposite of a heater that you can't just flick a switch and, and get coldness yeah. out of it. That's right, yeah. Um, but it, I understand the concept. Um, so the the uh, the difference there, I guess, the, the thing that struck out was the feel. You actually felt that change, and yeah. I guess that's the powerful thing about that experience is not – necessarily a lecturer standing at the front of a room telling you no. about the principles it's it's yeah. walking in from a 40 degree day when you're out there amongst it yep. uh, and then feeling it for yourself and, yep. and i i kind of get the feeling that that's an issue today with a lot of people just kind of accepting the norm and and not getting to experience a, yep. a house that actually performs well yep. is that a barrier that you see 
Yeah, it is. And it's great that there's places like um, the Little Greeny over in Golden Bay where yeah. you can go and stay in, in a place that um, really works well thermally. You know, like um, it's available for hire, you know. You can, mm. Yeah, that, that's really good. And um, just, just another little anecdote, um, we visited some friends in Sweden when we were overseas and um, I was surprised to see a thermometer um, outside the window um, that showed the temperature outside. Right. And um, that got me thinking about how in New Zealand, typically we just, just don't need that because we know what temperatures are outside because yeah. what temperature is this inside, you know, yeah. and they're basically the same. Yeah. Um, but in a well-designed, you know, thermally well-designed house, um, like we find that quite often we'll go to go outside downtown or something and we'll get outside the door and turn around on a heel and come back in to put some more clothes on because yeah. you, you just don't realise how cold it was outside. Yeah. That, that, that's the way it should be. Oh, totally, totally. I mean, that, that's a good mm-hmm. thing to not know what the temperature is outside yeah. Um, and, and for it not to be <laughs> exactly the same, particularly if you're further south from Nelson, you're getting down to, to Christchurch, Dunedin, you definitely don't want it to be the same temperature as it is outside, but that's that's so often the case uh, in the winter time. It's atrocious. Mm. Yep. Um, so now you you've created a business out of primarily doing. Do you, do you call yourself a sustainable architect? How do you sort of market yourself? I call myself an eco architect. Uh-huh. <laughs> same thing, I suppose. Yeah. Um, and do you do you attract people now on that basis? Like, do they know you for that, yeah. or do you often yep. have a con- so? Are you ever in a situation where you have to convince somebody of going down that path? I see it as a spectrum. Um, not everyone wants to um, look at their doings in a composting toilet. Um, yeah. not, not everyone wants to. Um, have earth plasters inside, you know. Um, yeah, not everyone wants to go off grid. Um, so it, it depends where the clients are and, you know, if everyone's different. Um, you know, I've done kindergartens where um, it was just a really well insulated envelope that was, you know, well orientated to the sun and, and didn't overheat in summer and stuff and they got all this additional stuff that they didn't really realise they were getting. Um, nice. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it depends on the client, really. I I don't. Um, I suggest things. I don't push things. But I, you know, I'd struggle um, if a client wanted to have single glazing, for instance. You know. <laughs> yeah. 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 There'd be a few things like that. Yeah. So let's talk about the the bad and the ugly before we get into the good. What typical things do you see going on? in the industry that you think are the biggest problems with the way people design and build houses at the moment? Um, firstly, um, too much glass, um, particularly in um, non-north directions. Yep. Um, of course, on the north, it's um, giving you winter heat, which with the low, sum, uh, low winter sun, but in every other direction, it's uh, a thermal negative. <laughs> Um, so these houses that are glass boxes, um, yeah, a thermal nightmare. And I I was stunned to even find out on the Arctic's um, chat list that 
not everyone seemed to be aware that even the best double glazing only insulates a quarter as well as a code minimum wall. Yeah. That's just if that. That's just not commonly known. And um yeah, so that's that's the first thing really. Yeah. Um secondly, lack of um summer shading or no thought of summer shading. Um so particularly if you've you know, if you've got views out to the west and you've got lots of glass out that way, you've really got to think about how you're going to stop the, the, the um, summer sun getting in there. Mm-hmm. Um, ideally with something variable that's that's there in summer and not in winter you know, on, on the west. Just on that, do you have a preference for external versus internal shading? Oh, it's, it's definitely better to um, shade on the outside of the glass because once the once the um, the sun's come in through the glass, you've already got the heat inside, and you want to actually keep the heat outside. Yeah. Um, so, you know, um, like on the west, there's great things you can do with um, greenery. You know, things with big leaves that um, die right down in winter, like mm. um, kiwi fruit or grapes. You know, um, they can, you can cut right back, so you're still getting some winter sun in in the um, winter afternoons on the west, but um, in summer, they they sprout out with these huge big leaves that gives you lots of shade, yeah. um, and shade the sun before it gets to the window. So yeah. good natural variable shading. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, next thing that gets me is size, um, because even the um, most eco material um, house, if it's if it's huge, is still using up um, resources way out of proportion to its size. Um, to to a number of people staying in there. So um, even if you do nothing else, just having a small um, house is better for the environment, um, other things being equal, because it's got less materials in it. Um, and it used to be that a family house was less than 100 square metres. Um, our family sizes have gone down, but our typical house sizes have like doubled. Yeah. So what's going on there? You know, that's, that's interesting, isn't it? Um, another thing is um, gadgets and silver bullets. You know, um, a lot of people seem to gr- grasp onto one thing that um, is going to be a, a wonder thing for turning their house into an eco house. Um, I had this. Um, NZI judge in a sustainable house award that um, talked about um, airtight um, barrier wraps um, as as being the thing to have for a eco house, and um, it's like, oh my god, you know, um, our, our houses are already pretty dim and, dim and airtight as they are, you know, um, and yeah. In most situations, they just aren't necessary. So, yeah, so I'd be aware of any gadgets, and you know, um, it's to me, it's 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 simple things like, um, oh, perhaps we'll get onto that later, but um, just just simple things like orientation and um, is far more important than any gadgets that you might have. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's let's uh, go on to that. Um, Okay. The, if you sort of had to pick a top three of things to to make a good house, what would they be? The first one's going to surprise you, I hope. <laughs> Location. Um, right. 
really think about where you're building. Yeah. Um, too many eco houses are built out in the country, um, necessitating daily um, car commuting. Um, and even if you're working from home, what about the kids um, getting to school? And even yeah. if they're on the bus, what about after school and all the after school activities? Um, so, yeah, I think um, people should really think about building close into where they're going to work and um, where the children are going to go to school and that sort of thing so that you um, make it easy for yourself uh, so you don't need to use a car all the time. You can um, have easy cycle journeys um, to shops and that uh, or even walk. Uh, I love that one because it, it's, I think, a factor that's often forgotten that a house isn't just um, a collection of materials. It's it's a representative of a lifestyle and a big part of that lifestyle is where you're located within the community. Yeah. Um, and then there's the practical stuff around commuting and particularly in a bigger city like I am. Um, uh, I dread having to drive anywhere here. So I'm so yeah. pleased that we live relatively close to public transport because it's just yeah. that. And they were key decisions uh, of where we chose uh, to have a house. So, yeah, yeah I love <laughs> location is, yeah. is definitely a uh, yeah. a good starting point. Yeah. Well, it's one thing you can't change, you know, mm. if you you know, if you can't you, retrofit good location. Sorry, you can't retrofit good location. No, no, you can't. No, no. Um, so that's the first. Um, yeah, orientation. I briefly talked about that before, but um, if you can spread the house out east to west, so it's got a good big north face for that low winter sun, um, but but small um, east and west ends to um, minimise summer overheating is great and you know if you can do that it's um yeah that, that can be so cheap um to have a you know a good eco house without any other bells and whistles really you mentioned before uh that a, a non-ideal house had the kitchen on the west side yeah so aside from the the big principles which are sun, your biggest glazing facing towards the equator you know, whichever hemisphere you're in, yeah. um, small to the, the west and east and, and, and limited to the other side. Are there any other little tips and tricks that you've got, such as where you like to put certain rooms? Um, is the kitchen always best on the east side if you can get it there? Yes, it is. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, <laughs> and, and interestingly, uh, people from the northern hemisphere will, will look at a plan and think it looks wrong with the, with, with the kitchen on the right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but it's still the west. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. Well, for, for us, the east. Um, yeah, um, for us in the southern hemisphere, with the kitchen on the right, you know, when north's at the top, it's um, it's in the east. But, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it's like flipped. Um, so that's 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 one little trap that I've come across with people from the other other hemispheres. Right. Um, and that's so that you're getting the morning sun in. Yeah. In and, and in, um, in, into the kitchen when you're just starting the day and it's good to sort of wake up with the sun and all that sort of thing. But yeah. just as importantly, you don't want to be slaving over a hot stove with the with the hot sun beating into your face as well. You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, in, in, in Australia and places, they actually recommend putting like the garage on the west, you know, to, yeah. you know as a buffer. 
and so that's you know something to oh, i'm not saying we should always do that at all but <laughs> um that's the extent that um in really hot climates they they think about that and then you try and you tend to get the bedrooms to the 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 back to the south side as well no no <laughs> i think all habitable rooms should have a sunny face. Mm-hmm. So, um, for instance, if you're constrained east and west, it might mean a two-story house. So pop the bedrooms up upstairs so they can all have a north face or, um, or else have a clear story roof, which is one where you've got um, like a vertical uh, roof light letting light into the uh, sun, into winter sun into the back part of the house. The, the back bedrooms. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't think you should have any back bedrooms, actually, because um, even if you have them warm, um, there's something psychological, psychologically rewarding having winter sun streaming into into your space. You know, yeah, you can't really get away from that. So I would encourage people to go and look on your website and have a look at the images of the kindergarten that you mentioned before. Yeah, that's a really nice example of getting natural light into the back of that. It's a big space, and yes, there's, it is. there's yeah. and daylight the, hitting the, the ground. The kindergarten teachers didn't believe me that. Oh, look, you know, you won't get summer sun in there, but you'll get winter sun into the toilet. And they said, "Oh, yeah, right." You know, yeah. But sure enough, it does it. You know, yeah. I mean, that's a fantastic uh, illustration there. The sun just hitting yeah. that the the very back of the uh, the floor. Is that a concrete floor as well? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, that's great. I mean, it's it looks obvious, and it looks you kind of make it look easy when it's done like that. But I, yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? You know, yeah, yeah. But I, I'm guessing that it's not uh, not necessarily um, you've got to put some thinking into that. Yes, that's right. But it's 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 not rocket science. You know, there's there's rules of thumb with um, shading angles and things, and you know, um, yeah, it's, yeah. It's just, just just something to work through work with. So what what can you put on the cooler side of the house? Um, things like laundries and, and garages, sure. Mm-hmm. Um, even even bathrooms. I, I I think it's good to have a bathroom with a north face, you know. So, um, um, some of the houses I've done have have had like a um, conservatory walkway in front of bedrooms on the north side of bedrooms mm-hmm. leading to an end bedroom so that um, there's, the, the bedroom might be on the south, but it's still getting all the sun through this conservatory sort of walkway on the north. Yep. If you I mean. um, so that, that's one way of still getting sun into the bedrooms, even though they are actually on the south. Um, yeah. What else on the south? I, yeah. Um, I wouldn't think of it like that because, like with with a clear story roof, you can get sun into most places. So, right, um, it's yeah, it's really only the laundry <laughs> that I, I wouldn't want sun into. Um, or so, for you, it's more thinking about how you get sun into places rather than what's going to miss out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. I, you know, maybe a study or something is okay to miss out on it, but um, yeah, I I try and get every bedroom to have a a north face, be it um, from a clear story or um, directly um, with a north face. Interesting. So um, after location orientation, what's, what's the next one? Um, 
Well, I've actually already mentioned size, haven't I? But um, trying to keep things pretty compact. Um, yeah. Um, I'm quite interested in these tiny houses that people are doing on, you know, like they're effectively caravans, aren't they? Or, or house trucks, you know. Yeah. Um, um, and you basically have to design them like a like a ship, really. <laughs> yeah. It's all the space. But um, that just shows you what you can really do with um, careful um, planning, um, particularly in, in a New Zealand climate where a lot of the time you can actually get outside or you can put the kids outside um, under a veranda or something. Um, oh, this this works really well in kindergartens, and I shouldn't keep dragging it back to kindergartens, but... Um, it's great to get the kids outside even on a wet day mm-hmm. and underneath a big veranda. So um, you, you might have a house that's relatively small but have a generous veranda um, so that, you know, it's using up much less than way materials than a full-on room, um, but um, you're, you're still getting the benefits of being able to get outside. Um, of course, it wants to be on the sunny side and it wants to be protected from the rain. Um mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that what you refer to as outdoor rooms? Yes. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And you've, uh, another good example you've got in your portfolio there is the, uh, is it Damaham? Yes. Studio, yeah. Which yeah. is uh, three bedrooms, only a 68 square meters. Yeah. That's yeah. That's pretty compact. And, and also, I, I don't know if you've seen the plan, but you can have someone cleaning their teeth, someone in the toilet, and someone having a shower all at once, all in privacy, um, you know, like, <laughs> how's that? You know, that's impressive. All, all, all that sort of small space. So yeah. just with careful planning, you know. Nice, nice. And what the uh, there's a price tag on that one, 150000 Is that is that the construction cost for that design? Yeah. yeah. That's very impressive. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Um, anything else for uh, – Main tips for for good design. You got location, orientation, and size. Um, well, there's some. Well, I'd recommend someone see an architect. Now, I'm not suggesting it has to be me, but <laughs> someone who's passionate about eco houses, not just as an add-on to their normal um, design. Um, yeah. Um, I think it's worth spending a bit of money on the design rather than like going to a housing company or something and getting them to come up with something. Yeah. 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 Now, just on that, you put your prices on your website, which I find very refreshing because a lot of people don't even mention it or they kind of almost try and cover it up. But you're pretty open about your hourly rate and your yep. percentage of, of building cost. What made you decide to do that? <laughs> Partly because I don't like talking about money. Right. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Just um, just head, it, head, it, head on. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, and so it's all cut and dried. It's all out there. Um, you know, there, there, there are some situations where I'd have to adjust it from that. But, um, yeah, I, I found it better to have some – rates that are standard like that and on on one job you'll you'll um lose out a bit you know i, I remember working out i was working for something like 15 dollars an hour in one job but then 
Um, another one was 103. So, you know, yeah. it swings and roundabouts. And, yeah, you know, yeah. Um, and so you do the full service um, yeah. and, and any, anything in between, but you, you can basically go from fi- helping someone find a site, drawing out some, some hand sketches right through to – do you do project management as well? Of, yes, of, yeah. Uh, the construction? Right. yeah, yeah. So it's anything that they actually want. And they can get off at any stage too. You know, it might be that we, we just start off with a sketch plan and mm-hmm. that's, that's as far as it goes or – you know, they like the sketch plan and we go to develop design and then they like that and we carry on and then um, they decide, oh, heck, I can't be bothered finding a builder and all that hassle, you know. You put it out to tender and, you know, you find the builder and have all the progress payments going through you and, you know, yeah. Um, it, it just depends on, on the clients what they want. Yeah. Now, I've got to ask you about composting toilets because you, you've brought it up a couple of times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How many have you done? Um, hmm. um, three anyway. Um, yeah, I think it's only three. Right. So they're not, yeah. they're not that prevalent. No, 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 they're not. But, um, yeah, you know, <laughs> um, are they something that you, um, you obviously believe in them, but do you think there should be more of them, or why? Oh, yeah. Why do you try and um, oh, well, offer okay. that? <laughs> we could be here for another twenty minutes, but um, <laughs> yeah, um, like we've got one ourselves here in our house, and yep. it's um, inside the house. It's not uh, like an outbuilding or anything. Um, um, there's no smell at all inside. There's a fan in the flue, so that when you um, turn on the light, the fan goes and um, sucks any. Um, any smell up, up the flue. Um, it's, um, it uses no water, of course, which is about a third, or it used to be about a third of a household's water use was down the dunny. Yeah. Um, and our normal situation of dealing with human waste is to flush it away with this good water and then spend a lot of effort getting the water back out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas the composting toilet doesn't put water in there in the first place to have to get it out. So we just put down some sawdust after each doings and once a year I harvest it. I don't call cleaning it out because I I don't actually clean it right out. Um, You just sort of need a bit of starter there. Mm -hmm. Um, Like a good dough? Yeah, yeah. So once a year I harvest it and get like a trailer load um, to put around trees. And so it's this great way of harvesting the fertility that would otherwise be wasted. Yeah. Um, so you put that on your own property? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And do you – have you had it tested? No, for, for no. When it, when, it, when it comes out the other end, it looks just like aged sawdust. There's no identifiable anything that, that could be construed as bodily waste or yeah. toilet paper or anything. The only thing is if um, – <laughs> Say. But um, some sometimes people, um, women put down some um, some products that contain plastic that they shouldn't. So right. um, that, that's that's the only thing that you ever ever find. So you <laughs> yeah. find the plastic, but nothing yeah, else. Just, just the plastic, but nothing else. Yeah. And, and was it a and, problem? And, and no, there's no smell at all when you're harvesting it. You know? Right. Any problems with consenting and and counsel? Yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? Um, <laughs> we um, we. 
we wanted a composting toilet before we moved here and um, we were overjoyed to find that we had a neighbour who already had a composting toilet in the house, in his house, with the grace of the council. But they made him sign up a thing that um, if ever a, a town sewer was put past his gate, he would have to connect up. Really? Yeah, but they didn't even, you know, by the time we got to putting our consent in, they didn't even mention that. You know, they just said, oh, composting toilet, okay. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and it was, yeah, it was fine. So, right, because they'd seen it before. Yeah, they'd seen it before. Yeah, wow. So people should check out what, what they can do because I think a lot of people would just assume that it can't be done. Oh, uh, no. Oh, no. Heck no. But, and, uh, you know, interestingly, I, I've just put in a submission for the long-term plan in Nelson, and one of the issues there is they're doing a development contribution um, um, remission for – inner city housing to encourage inner city housing, but they're a bit worried about the infrastructure costs of additional people living closer in. Yeah. But these sorts of things like composting toilets that are not putting any load on the sewer yeah. and, and not putting any load on the water supply um, are a good way of um, allowing that, but uh, allowing this more dense living, but um, with without putting any extra load on the... Um, services yeah yeah now ah, very good well if uh people want to know more about that um they should get in touch with you and uh you can point them in the right direction give them some uh give them some tips sure but that's not all i do <laughs> absolutely no because you also uh have like you mentioned lots of other strings to your bow with regards to sustainability like rainwater collection independent yeah. power systems um, just general site selection and design, sunshine that we've talked about. Yep. Um, are you doing more and more of the the power system stuff now? Um, there's almost no house I do now that that doesn't have um, photovoltaics, or at least are thinking about them. Yeah. Um, of course, the big change in the last year or so has been um, people saying, "Well, hang on, if I'm having PV." photovoltaics why do i need to have a separate solar um hot water system mm -hmm. and um yeah i i've gradually come around to thinking that that's right that um just putting on a few more panels um to cover the hot water heating if you're going to put pvs on anyway is is, is a really simple way of um having solar hot water heating any, any surplus power can just be dumped in your hot water cylinder. Yeah, you know, it's, it's a really good way of using it. Is that because of uh, improvements in that technology? Um, it's because of um, price coming down significantly in front of attacks and the cost of um, solar hot water hasn't come down or has stopped coming down and it's quite a lot of plumbing involved to do solar hot water, mm -hmm. whereas with um, the PV into um, into a hot water cylinder, it's just a wire into the tank, you know, into a into yeah. an, um, element. It's dead simple, and you're probably going to have that in the in the tank anyway. Mm. So, yeah, it's almost a zero cost to add that onto your um, uh, PV system. So, is is it pretty much all over for solar hot water? Um, 
Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I I think um, if you're going to heat hot water, um, you would need quite a lot more area with PVs than you would with um, a solar hot water panel. So if you've got a shortage of roof space, um, that would be one reason for still having a solar hot water system. Right. Um, so it's still case by case, but, yeah, but yeah, PVs yeah. becoming yeah. more and more and, viable. And, and some people don't want to put in PV straight away, but they want to wire for it and yeah. be sort of solar ready. Yep. Um, in, in that case, it's probably worthwhile putting in a solar hot water system um, mm. as, you know, as well. Yep. Um, well, first and then, you know, you can put the PV in later. It's, yeah. yeah. Mm. Hey, um, we should start wrapping up. Where can people get in touch with you, Peter? Um, if they Google Peter O. Architect, pretty simple really. Yep. Um, because my surname is a, a bit of a mouthful, um, I thought I'd just call myself Peter O. Um, there's a bit of history in that. Um, I was I was once in a class in um, primary school where there were three Peters. Yeah. <laughs> and um, it was Peter C and Peter O. I can't remember the third one, but anyway, so Peter O, that's um, Peter O architect, so it's pretty easy, isn't it? And do you uh, work a bit outside of Nelson? Yeah, I do. I try to keep it to Nelson, though. I'd prefer people saw someone else um, local mm-hmm. um, if they can. You know, I, I think that's that's better, really. Yeah. Um, yeah. Nice. Mm. Hey, well, thank you very much for your time, Peter. Um, yeah, and I, I'll put the links on the show notes so people can go and check out some of the, the work that you've done. And uh, if they do want to uh, work with you or any information, then they can get in touch. Yeah, cool. Thanks, Matthew. Thanks for your time. Okay, see you. Well, I hope you enjoyed that interview with Peter Lawrenshaw, who is an architect in Nelson. And he had some great tips in there. And I really liked his four tips that he gave for achieving a good house, starting with location, particularly around community and the fact that you, you can't retrofit that to your home. So really thinking about where you want to put your house in the first place. Secondly, orientation. And um, amazing examples there of where he's just minimised the amount of, um, well, the number of rooms that are stuck on the south side of the building. Size, that's an old favourite. Um, definitely consider how big do you really need in your construction. And then finally, see an architect and ideally get one with passion for what you're trying to achieve. So four top tips there. And as always, and quite a nice coincidence, that they align very nicely with my framework of maps, wraps, taps, apps, and gaps. I was missing one in there. But looking at that map first and then wraps, taps, and gaps for the best performing house. If you've got no idea what I'm talking about there, head on over to homestylegreen.com and I've got some resources there about how to design a good home, and uh, they're free. Hey, thanks for joining in this week, and if you enjoyed this episode, I'd really love it to get uh, some feedback. You can email me, matthew at homestylegreen.com, or you can leave a note on Facebook. I'm also on Twitter, at mcutlerwelsh. I'm on Instagram as well. So lots of places you can find me. 
I'd love to hear from you, and you would also be fantastic if you could leave us a uh, a review or a rating in iTunes and also on Stitcher Radio as well. Thanks so much for tuning in. I'll see you again next week on Homestyle Green. In the meantime, go make a better place to live.